0: Warning! This show contains adult themes and language, including Jesus Burrito.
1: Disevidentia is an inability to reliably process evidence, and this is a podcast all about it.
0: This episode was released on April 18th, 2022, and we are discussing Desevidentia because it is clear millions of shroudies are suffering from it. and i am squeaky we discuss logic and evidence because we lack any religious iconography of our own you can support us by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash disevidentia if you spent all your money on jesus toast you can like subscribe and leave a review to help us out if you have a paper you have written or a small business to plug let us know today we are going to discuss ongoing developments of the ukrainian war and the shroud of turin
1: I'm going to take that okay and use it out of context. No. I'm going to take that and use it out of context. I'm going to have like some horrible white supremacist saying stuff and you're going to say okay. Then he's going to say that like he's not going to kick puppies and you're going to say no. That's fucked up. I don't know how to take that out of context.
0: You puppy kicker. No.
1: (laughs) Other than Burst Pipes, we're on a roll. Okay. We don't have any corrections from last time again. And all the various communities and groups that listen to us have been growing. So fewer people I was gonna say fewer people have contacted us for corrections, but we
0: had zero last time. Oh, so we have zero this time, so it's not actually fewer? We're just
1: dividing by zero differently.
0: Okay. I sup- I-, I don't know if that's allowed. <laughs>
1: <I don't know. laughs> Wait to continue the joke. <laughs> you killed it. You we're trying to add loop some jokes and you're like, no, you killed the joke. Anyway uh i'm sure we got some things wrong if we did contact us let us know if we issue a correction we give you a flash drive just one of those same ones we're giving away in our raffle which is coming to a close here any minute for us but you'll be hearing this in a week and we probably will have announced winners by then by the time you hear this yeah
0: I mean, not here but like on our twitter or something twitter right yeah we'll,
1: uh, we'll probably announce in all the places okay one big part of the raffle and this was inspired by a community member, you you know who you are, was a few episodes ago, we claimed that the average American thinks that Jesus was white. We didn't have any evidence for that. We realized we might be talking about our but we still might owe this person a flash drive even. We'd probably send them one anyway, even if they're right. Or, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. E- even if we're right, we'll probably still send them one. But we made a poll question to ask, do you think Jesus was real? If so, what race was he?
0: Seems like a straightforward question. I had to
1: invalidate some... Non-race, non-no answers. And I'm being pretty liberal with race, right? Like, someone said, yes, Klingon. I did not invalidate that.
0: That is technically a race. A fictitious one, but a race nonetheless.
1: Talking about Jesus. Fiction clearly is on the table. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. So some answers I invalidated. Yes, to die for us. Is there some group of people out there called to die for us that I'm unaware of?
0: No. What about just uppercase A? Did they like okay, I feel like if it's just like uppercase A, maybe they had their their fingers offset, like one key and they went to like, I don't know, maybe do an apostrophe and they hit enter instead and then they're like, God damn it. They're like a pirate, they're like,
1: ah right at the beginning. They're they're Canadian typing backwards. I I
0: I I don't know, but I feel like something along those lines had to have happened with that A? I don't know.
1: It's possible, but it would just move them down to the next question.
0: Okay, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe they remapped the enter key to be like the submit.
1: Uh, Somebody else just put in an uppercase I. That one, I don't... Other invalidated answers were yes, don't care, interesting question. If you don't have an answer, you don't have an answer. Put one in or... Even I don't know, I didn't invalidate any I don't know, or a lot of people had various forms of things that sounded correctish. Yeah. Like people who said, yes, I don't know. I disagree with your yes, but I'm not, I didn't ask you agree with me. I asked what you thought, and if you say I don't know, that's that's legit. I can't can't fault you for that, right?
0: Yeah, people know what they know.
1: So uh, a lot of the correctish ones are like yes, Middle Eastern, yes, Jewish, Syrian, Arabic, and some people got really detailed, like yes, not sure what races were distinguished back in the day, no idea. I'll go with whatever the historians conclude. That's entirely valid and way more characters than i thought the poll would let you put in
0: (laughs) no i mean that's looks like at least the ones you wrote down well no okay there's one more i can see that's longer than it
1: oh yeah, yeah yeah yes he's the monaco grand prix because the race completely changed my life for the better good stuff
0: uh yeah that i guess is a definition of race
1: i didn't even discount this guy yes some sort of op alien whoa that is some conspiracy theory level nonsense and hilarious yes probably the 100 meter sprint
0: <laughs> i mean i don't know, as don't much go... walking as jesus allegedly did back in the day probably is a kind of athletic Probably
1: a relay then? Some yeah. sort of marathon?
0: Maybe. Uh, somebody put an
1: orc, getting some fantasy races. and gnome. Ooh, might just be anti-Semitic and terrible.
0: Maybe, but I, I don't know. There's some deniability there.
1: I read them all. We didn't get any elf or dwarf. Okay. What about goblin? No, no, no goblins. No kobolds. Okay. We won't be able to fill out the Fellowship of the Ring with just these. We need at least a few halflings. Mm-hmm. We got some that were very wrong. We had at least two people that said Muslim, and one person who said Muslim didn't know where the caps slot key was. They just were, like,
0: screaming. That will. They were just trying to be cool. So they just turned on cruise control.
1: (laughs) Caps Lock is indeed cruise control for cool. But I mean, how can somebody be Muslim 700 years before the the concept of being Muslim existed? At least the people who were saying like Israeli or Israelite or Canaanite or Arabic were like, sure, there isn't a country Israel, but at least there was a tribe of Israel. They called themselves, did they call themselves Israelites? No idea. Yeah, but at at least that's vaguely plausible. Yeah. Uh, and then some other categories of wrong, and I didn't discount this, right? I asked for people's opinions. And...
0: The, this category are the ones that bother me. The rest of these are like, eh, well, like, ugh.
1: So here's another quote. Of course he was real. There's lots of written and archaeological proof, and obviously he was
0: Jewish. You know, as matter-of-factly stating things that are not matter-of-fact.
1: <laughs> well, the the whole archaeological evidence thing. As far as I'm aware, there's none. Yeah. We, we have what's in the Gospels, and then two documentary sources, and no artifacts from like his life. And that would be the archaeological evidence, unless we're saying the two documents are the archaeological evidence. But even then, there, there's not lots. There's two extra biblical paragraphs. Two. Two. I'll go ahead and cite Josephus and Tacitus. And I'll, I guess I have to go dig up links now, don't I?
0: Yeah, now you do. Yes.
1: Fine. I will put that... Give me a second. Okay. Um. Another one. That was in this very wrong category. There's plenty of scientific proof that Jesus did indeed exist at some point, And yes, he was white. It's simply the fact that no one can confirm if he actually had powers is what most people don't agree on over.
0: So clearly this person has only ever discussed this within religious circles.
1: Yeah, and probably American Western religious circles.
0: Yeah, almost certainly.
1: Because overwhelmingly, people didn't say he was white. But we had huge international reach. I saw a guy from Nepal saying that he was definitely white. <laughs> which is weird. A no. lot of people from Africa saying he was black. A lot of people from Europe saying he was Jewish. Uh, it's something contradictory. At least one person said he was Jewish so he couldn't be white. And at least one person said he was Jewish so
0: he couldn't be white. There had to be white? All right. same, yeah, same either way. Like, he's yeah, th- Jewish, they're... therefore no white. And he was Jewish, therefore definitely white.
1: Yeah. Sorry if I said that wrong. That's exactly what I meant, though. Yeah. Yeah. It was just some people declare Jewish as white. Some people say it's not. And like that this that shows how loose this conception of race is yeah <laughs> i don't know correct Maybe. me get a flash drive I, okay <laughs> uh ways to correct me uh you can reach out on patreon patreon.com slash
0: we have a subreddit r slash
1: you can tweet at us at disevidentia
0: we have a discord and a youtube channel links to both are in the show notes you can email us contact at disevidentia.com But we do not have a Facebook, because fuck Mark Zuckerberg. Pretty soon we can
1: fuck Meta Zuckerberg. We can pay to fuck him with Zuckbucks.
0: We technically could. And as much as we constantly say fuck Mark Zuckerberg, don't actually fuck Mark Zuckerberg.
1: Yeah, don't fuck robots. That's a great way to just hurt your dick.
0: Also, he doesn't deserve it. But, you know, whatever. Whatever.
1: (laughs) So I guess... Before we move on to the main topic with the Shroud of Turin, because we actually discussed Jesus a lot already, just discussing our poll, I've been hearing a lot of interesting misinformation about the war in Ukraine.
0: Yeah. I mean, misinformation during wars is kind of a given. There's always been some degree of propaganda during the course of a war, but we also have the benefit of social media and the internet to spread really cheaply produced misinformation
1: so i'm gonna lump all the the stuff i've heard sort of into two broad categories Mm -hmm. obvious bullshit from russia okay and ignorant bullshit from right-wing zealots okay so like obvious bullshit from russia claims that they aren't doing war crimes claims that they're not shooting civilians claims
0: that claims like the the crisis actors oh god
1: yeah so i started aggregating sources on april 4th for this thing And that day, it wasn't super obvious to me that there were huge amounts of atrocities. I mean, we've discussed what killing of civilians and raping of of innocent people. Rape. It shouldn't happen. But uh, there was no evidence that it was endorsed on like a large level by the Russian army. Well, when they pulled out a buka and there were 400 people they've confirmed now that were dead, even that day it was kind of unsure. Do we take this one Ukrainian source? It was like the the deputy mayor or the mayor saying it. But now we've got all the different news sources. I've got Al Jazeera, NBC Washington. Uh, One of the first sources was a, a blog, Bellingcat. Uh, And the BBC has satellite images. We have mass graves. We've confirmed it uh, left, right and center. And even when Russia put out a story saying, no, those were crisis actors, somebody put out satellite footage from three days before saying, yeah, here's the six corpses that were on the ground three days before that Ukrainian convoy came through.
0: So clearly these crisis actors have some dedication.
1: Dedication. Oh, my God.
0: I was not trying to go for a pun there. What the fuck?
1: Well you, well you fucking got one.
0: Okay. <laughs> That's some overtime.
1: Fuck. So yeah, there's there's the obvious bullshit from from uh from russia but the right-wing trolls are slightly more subtle than that because the russian propaganda is targeted at the russian people trying to make them not feel terrible about killing lots of innocent people yep and because russia controls the information inside russia they can do that more easily than like lie to western faces so uh the russian trolls lies kind of fall into let's explain away what russia's doing uh, and try to make Russia seem better because, for some reason, the right-wing people are aligned with Trump and Putin for reasons? I don't understand it fully. But, like, some, some right-wing trolls are saying things like, Russia is not losing the war, they're pulling out of Kiev because it was just a feint.
0: Yeah, but you don't mobilize that many resources for a feint.
1: And even if you were going to, uh, it doesn't make sense. All of the stated goals of Russia... Or even if you want to put hypothetical goals onto them, right? They were trying to denazify. They were trying to, uh, uh, if, if it was a feint to like distract troops or resources from the Donbass region or whatever, a- any goal is furthered by taking the enemy leadership. There is no war you can prosecute against Ukraine that isn't made more effective by successfully taking Kiev. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, as a feint, it's dumb because most of the defenders of Kiev were locally grown militia groups and defenders who were there. They weren't going to, it's not the kinds of groups you can move across the country. Like, imagine if Michigan had a militia to defend Michigan against Canadian invasion, and you have to move them all the way across the country to Texas, right, to defend against Mexico invading. That's similarly difficult, and a similar distance. It's ridiculous. And the other right-wing lies line up just about like that. I don't know. Uh, I've got some good sources for that. I found one gamer turned analyst who is just applying basic logic and using Oryx and other open-source intelligence groups. Sorry, other open-source intelligence sources. And he makes a lot of good logical points. He's not shilling for either side. His name is Pirun. Pirun? Pirun? How do you pronounce that? Right here.
0: Uh, Pirun?
1: Yeah, Pirun. That's my guess. Yeah. Um, For the other stuff, we're citing the New York Post, uh, ABC News, uh, Human Rights Watch, uh, the BBC for the satellite images, NBC Washington for mass graves. Uh, Al Jazeera for the intercepts. No, wait, I'm sorry. Where's the one where the things were intercepted? I already mentioned it. Right them. above here, right here. There it is. Yeah. And the uh, we're, we're citing the New York Post for intercepted messages where somebody in some level of Russian leadership is telling people to kill civilians. So now it's undeniable unless all the sources that have reported this are all being fooled. It's way too plausible that there's specific targeting of civilians to discount that at this point.
0: The scale at which we are seeing civilian deaths suggests that there's there has to be some amount of leadership endorsement.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. How about we move on from murder onto just tricking people out of their money? Okay. I mean I presume that's why the shroud was invented. Maybe. I mean it's not like toron is exactly a hopping tourist hub.
0: I don't know. It could be that, yeah, some dude wanted to just set up a a display and charge admission or maybe he was just trying to impress a girl i don't fucking know uh the
1: reasons people throughout history fuck up to impress a girl
0: it happens all the time dude <laughs> all of the goddamn time i am
1: not disagreeing one bit i have done my fair share of stupid for such reasons
0: we all have we all have <laughs> what I just started reading the sponsor sketch just to refresh and like i read what are you doing and my brain immediately inserted step shroud what are you doing step shroud Ooh. <laughs> why am i like this
1: <laughs> you were saying that it's plausible
0: that the shroud of turin was just a tourist trap yeah we don't know uh, there's a lot of things about the shroud of turn we don't know we don't know like what prior to i think 1389 what exactly was going on with the shroud of turin we don't know why it surfaced where it did we don't know what we just don't know about its genesis for lack of a better term (laughs) we don't know
1: one of my favorite things is is that in the timelines for important events of the shroud of turin uh, the first thing that came up was 13th to 14th century shroud of turin discovered 1390 a Catholic bishop calls the Shroud fake. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's like if they thought it was fake way back then, what are the real chances for verif- verifiable quality artifact here?
0: Yeah. Well, let's rein in the they. It was a singular bishop, but yes, the, the singular bishop that went to see the Shroud of Turin immediately concluded that it was a fake
1: okay i'm gonna make sure to. i'm gonna have to add that cnn source the cnn travel one because that that timeline is too perfect it's not a great source because it uncritically accepts so much of the nonsense but that timeline is so good
0: okay (laughs) Uh but for those that don't know we really should probably establish what the shroud of turn is that's fair yeah so if those of you that are familiar with uh, the story of crucifixion for jesus christ Jesus was crucified, and to prove that he was dead, he was pierced by a lance, and then they buried him, by uh, first by wrapping him in a linen cloth and placing him, I believe, in a cave,
1: right? It's my understanding there was a cave involved at
0: some point, yeah? Yeah. So, the Shroud of Turin is that linen cloth that jesus was buried in allegedly and yeah that's it where exactly it was from the time that it was removed from jesus's body to roughly 1390 when it appears in written record we don't really know people have made a few claims about where exactly it was and what it was uh, but yeah all of that is speculation and unknown
1: to provide some more context for this This is a shroud that measures, so it's one cubit by four cubits. For those of us who don't like those really old, outdated uh, measurement systems, that makes it just about a meter wide and four and a quarter meters, so four meters, 25 centimeters long. If you'd like your units slightly outdated, it's three feet, seven inches wide and 14 feet long. So it's a big, long rectangle of cloth that was a standardized size for Jewish culture at the time. And... Uh, how you use one of these cloths is you'd put a, a dead person on one half of the cloth and the other half half you'd fold over their head and you'd tuck the rest under their feet and then you'd cross their arms on them you'd cross their legs and you'd wrap the, the, the remaining bits on, on the edges over them and it would create a, a suitable body bag and then you'd use a linen strip Uh, about a hand width this part wasn't nearly as standardized four inches maybe i don't know what is that 10 centimeters something like that wide and the same length so you could just tear a bit of your shroud off and you'd tie it around their feet and wrap it around their body in a spiral tying it off on their neck giving you a nice body bag and handle for carrying your uh, messiah away
0: a handle even yep convenient
1: and a lot of the problems with this stem from Blood, forensic evidence, things that come from it carrying a body or not carrying a body. So, want to jump into typical bullshit that shroud believers try to put forward?
0: Sure. What are you doing in my bedroom with bloody rags?
1: Um, I'm checking to see if this computer's Jesus. Someone in our poll said he might be an alien. So I figured this alienware computer might be holy or something.
0: Look, I don't buy alienware shit. I get my computers from ABK Customs. Oh, so I wrapped it in, a, in this bloody shroud for no reason? Well, oh, at least you didn't break it this time. Although this blood seems alarmingly fresh. Um, hang on. What are these nails in the computer? I crucified your PC. Why are you like this? Why do you insist on destroying my computers?
1: Uh, I didn't. Look, it still runs.
0: What? How? How?
1: I avoided the electronics because I wanted to hang it outside for three days running Prime 95 and other intense benchmarks to see if it still worked.
0: Well, the experts at ABK Customs know how to build a computer, so it would have.
1: So your computer is the digital omni
0: messiah? The fuck are you on about? Uh, never mind. If you want one of those, whatever they are, go to ABK Customs to speak to an expert and get a custom PC and save 10% with code evidence.
1: ABKKUSTOMZ.COM watched a bunch of short little YouTube videos, and I tried to find stuff about this in our conspiracy, but it's not big there. I picked one video as a prototypal example of the bullshit surrounding the Shroud. A common thing that almost all of these sources had was that they don't link to sources, and when they do cite things, and it's not like a good citation, they just say scientists claim, or somebody at Oxford said... And it's citations in that vein. Then you have to go to the legwork to go find what the
0: hell they're talking about. Like, I could walk over, well, maybe not walk, but I could go to Oxford, stand there, make a claim, and I'm technically somebody at Oxford claiming. <laughs> because you'd be the one saying it, you'd be more credible than everyone in these videos. Yeah, but still. Yeah. Just me being geographically at Oxford doesn't qualify me to make <laughs> statements, and technically that <laughs> phrasing <laughs> means anyone geographically at Oxford.
1: <laughs> yup. Yup, it's some bullshit. Um, this one video was released in 2019, and it's that's not special. These videos come out all the time. There's always some person who's just suffering disevidentia really hard who makes another one of these videos probably, probably once or twice a day. But check them for trivially checkable erroneous claims if you have to deal with them for some reason. Like this one claimed that the Shroud was uh, available and on display. All you had to do was go to the church and look. It's been off public display since 2015.
0: 2018. According to a source that I read.
1: Okay. But, uh. Uh, Another source I saw said that it was uh, taken off public display in 2015 and was shown once again in 2018 to a a limited selection.
0: Yeah, it was like one week. Yeah. Most showings are much longer than a week, but the 2018 was about one week.
1: Don't they call them like Austin Tacias or something and people get to look at them for a while? Something like that. Yeah. It's not on public display. And for the past 20 or so years, it really hasn't been. They put put it on show for a while and then then hide it away again.
0: Yeah. It's at pretty much Pope discretion. They will put it out, then take it away, put it out, take it away. Whatever.
1: Continuing this theme of trivially checkable bullshit, this person claimed that there was no mention of the Shroud in scripture or in other places, and that the appearance of the Shroud not being in these places made it more credible, because why would you fake something that wasn't in the source documents?
0: Okay, that's a little backwards, but... (laughs) i guess kind of well they're trying they're saying that nobody has a stake in it so therefore what's the motivation that's not great logic but it's something kind of <laughs>
1: uh it's also just wrong Yeah, figures uh, john 27 john 20-7 whatever i'll link to it i'll give you a bible hub link they talk about the shroud and it being discarded and left behind in the cave huh. so it's mentioned and other people write about it. It's just bullshit. They also talk about... They claim the scientific community comes to some consensus that the Shroud is real. But they link to no papers. They link to no studies. They don't even link to a scientist.
0: So... Yeah, we'll be covering it a little bit later. But I, I did read the, like, few comments from actual scientists and... All the ones that came close to trying to claim that it is real are dubious and all the rest are at best saying inconclusive. So that's just not correct.
1: Yeah. And this is what most of this is like. They're baseless claims, they're appeals to emotion, or they're saying things that are trivially debunkable. But then there is a category. Oh, before we get onto the category of more plausible videos, more, more plausible nonsense. These people will often make pseudo scientific claims and they will say things that forging is impossible because of some special property of the shroud. Well, if you have to deal with this, ask for a source on what about the shroud is impossible to forge because people will say it's impossible to forge and then not say anything about the composition of the shroud because (laughs) some people will say there's like UV light was needed to make the shroud. Some people are saying that it couldn't have been painted. It couldn't have been a ton of different things and none of them are really based in reality. There's nothing that special about this and we'll get into that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But there's probably a dozen different ways to fake this. It just some of them take time, like letting it sit around for a good long time before it becomes a uh, you know, difficult to get to that state. If a thing has to rot in a basement for 20 years before it looks plausible.
0: No, well, it's had a few hundred years. So, good there.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the other category of a uh... oh This specific video claimed that all forging was impossible. They presented no evidence, but they did throw a bunch of technobabble at it. And they claimed that it needed high energy radiation bombarding, but again, cited no sources. If anybody's making claims like this, we need to demand sources.
0: Yeah, like what kind of high energy? Like, even when you're just saying high energy, do you mean like a lot of heat? Do you mean a lot of light? Do you mean a lot of sound? Do you need to shout at it really, 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 really hard? Hurt its feelings. Like, what energy? And how high and what process are you expecting to see happen when you apply this high energy? Get details.
1: Yep. And then when you can start getting details, you get into the other category of claims around the Shroud. Things that are proper pseudoscience instead of the trappings of pseudoscience. Uh, I've got a link to a BBC documentary that just asks questions about the validity of the Shroud. And I was annoying Mako with it, listening to it while he was here. We were you know, just about to start recording as I got the last five or ten minutes of it done. But it's uh, it's not great. I went through and vetted some of the sources they are claiming, and they're not great sources, They're not following anything resembling the scientific method, but they have a lot of the trappings of science. They take pieces of fabric and stick them under microscopes. But are they testing or experimenting or what are they doing?
0: Can (laughs) confirm microscopes are scientific. Yeah, that's that's about what they're doing.
1: (laughs) This feels like science.
0: Look, a tool. Believe us. It's a science tool used by scientists. They have science in their name.
1: The number one hard thing to to overcome here is that the shroud has been carbon dated. And religious people love to throw mud on carbon dating, but scientists keep going back to it because it works and is reliable. Yeah. When organisms take in carbon, they take in carbon-14 for reasons, for biological reasons that are like good chemistry reasons.
0: Well, the isotope is created from solar radiation, but we can get into that later.
1: Yeah, And this decays at a known rate and lets us estimate how long it was until a thing stopped living. And since we make blinen out of cotton... and. Cotton is a plant that takes in solar radiation and carbon Mm -hmm. that lets us really confidently date these things. So in my own personal experience, I've had young Earth creationists try to tell me that carbon dating doesn't work because how do you know the thing wasn't in a pool of water? And I'm like, dude, it, it's carbon. It doesn't care if it's in water. It's carbon. It doesn't care if, if you burn it, if you do all these things to it. The only thing that changes it is, is is time. And well, like you said, solar radiation forms it. But Yeah.
0: Well, the way I heard it described when I was doing my research is it's carbon dating works when... Something like you're trying to measure when the organism or the object, most of the time it's organic, but technically doesn't have to be. But uh, when it stops exchanging carbon with its environment, like you and I, we are living, we are breathing, we are exchanging all sorts of things, carbon included, with our environment, even now as we record this podcast. Yeah,
1: every time I breathe, I give off carbon. Mm -hmm. And every time I eat a Chipotle burrito, I take in carbon.
0: Yeah. So when that stops, presumably because of death, then... Okay, yeah, you could be in some like submerged in water, but and like I guess maybe some carbon from the water would get onto your skin, but that's not going to like get everywhere throughout your body like you being alive does.
1: Yeah. When cotton is formed, an organic process happens, a chemical process happens that locks carbon into fibers it's like soaking it in water unless it dissolves it isn't going to significantly exchange that it's not like you're talking about a process that exchanges carbon with the environment it's not going to it's not going to change And that's why you can do things like take a piece of wood that's super old, possibly, you know, like thousands of years ancient and ask, when did this come from? And get a good answer with carbon dating. And I even learned something during this. When we were first discussing the episode, you were like, carbon dating did this. And I'm like, I don't think carbon dating can do anything younger than a few thousand years. And I was actually, I've been wrong about that for the past 20 years. Yeah. It totally can.
0: I I actually made a point to create, to put in the radiocarbon dating thing specifically because of your comment
1: yeah so i'd been duped by a young earth creationist about 25 years ago into believing that nonsense i still proved him wrong using the rest of science but damn
0: yeah and i suppose like since we're talking about it already i can go over some of that but uh yeah carbon 14 is the specific isotope being tested and this one of the reddit comments when i was trying to get a better understanding of radiocarbon dating made a point that isotope dating is something that is used in all manners of different isotopes in fact the similar technique to this but not with carbon 14 with an isotope of uranium was used to estimate the age of the earth But it's the same basic idea. You're measuring decay rate of a particular isotope.
1: As long as you know what one unstable, and there's a specific definition for unstable for nuclear science, Mm -hmm. as long as you're measuring one unstable thing and you know what it decays into. The half-life. Yeah. How, the half-life tells you how long it takes to decay, and if you know what it decays into, you can measure those two ratios and d- estimate when that thing stopped exchanging that material with its environment.
0: So the half-life for carbon-14 is 5,730 years, and in so, most cases, sorry?
1: So if a thing has half of the carbon-14 you expect, it's about that old. Yeah. Roughly. And you just do the math going forward or backwards. Okay.
0: Radiocarbon dating, in most cases, can reliably, like plus or minus about 80 years, measure something up to 50,000 years old. But there are different techniques, like you can have a larger sample or you can have a larger exposure time, for example, to try to get more precise measurements and push that out a little bit further in some cases we've had things dated that were eighty thousand years old on the upper end doing these things that
1: lines up with my understanding otherwise yeah i guess back to the uh bbc documentary real quick because we just started off with they keep lampshading carbon dating because they opened up with this has been carbon dated this is settled by scientists right and yeah it, it, it pretty much is everyone who's taken a look at this and is credible and doesn't have like problems agrees this, this thing was made sometime in the 13th or 14th century, and that's that. But they went and found some experts who were sympathetic, like they got one uh, cloth expert. <laughs> and she was apparently some sort of uh, historian uh, of textiles, and they were talking about the way this thing was woven. It has what's called a herringbone weave. A herringbone is a, a zigzag pattern, but lined up so it's like straight instead of at an angle. I should make a correction here. Because I'm a fucking pleb when it comes to weaving, I took this person's word for it and didn't correctly double check at the time of recording that this was indeed a herringbone weave. It's actually just some random sloppy weave made on a loom that I'll put a source in. They say it's similar to a three-in-one chevron weave that's both a little bit more complex and suffers all the same problems as the herringbone weave in that it wasn't used at the time and the machines used at the time of Christ to make fabric wouldn't lead to the kinds of errors that we see in the fabric. I'll link a source, MedievalShroud.com. The rest of my points here still stand in that this fabric probably wasn't made at the time of Christ, but was easy to make at the time in medieval Europe when the shroud appeared. So, a fancy weave pattern that they didn't have in Roman times. So... It can't be from Roman. time. I guess somebody could have invented it just for Jesus. That's possible. But... That's
0: a remarkably specific claim.
1: Yeah, and that's just not something people normally talk about. And this historian didn't point that out. So clearly this person was deeply sympathetic to this. They didn't even provide an explanation for this issue. They just washed over it, which tells you that they're really biased here. They wanted to prove a certain point. And to to, to buy themselves credibility, this documentary did things like listed all the ways a forger could have forged this. And of course, they didn't list all the ways. They listed a few ways, and they ruled them out. Like, this couldn't have been painted because reasons. And they had some reasons that were kind of bad, and all boiled down to, none of this looks like paint. Ignoring that you could bust out a paintbrush and paint blood on there. Because the substance on the shroud, by everyone's measure, appears to be real blood. They also said that an, an embalmer couldn't have faked this, because there's no way an embalmer would have known to crucify people through the ankles and wrists, as the shroud appears to be. Ignoring that if this was faked, it would be done in Turin, yeah. a place in Italy, sort of an important part of the Roman Empire. And it's, it's entirely possible that that knowledge survived you know, the seven or eight hundred years from the fall of the Roman Empire in that area to then. Maybe it was more. Maybe the Roman Empire fell later, but they were still you know, like the Byzantines were still around in the, in the east. That's like, when the Roman Empire fell, all their stuff didn't disappear. Somebody carried this knowledge on. It's not implausible that an embalmer got in touch with a priest and figured out what the most plausible crucifixion method would be. Another thing they said it couldn't be was a base relief, which is a specific kind of painting that involves some sort of transfer from one cloth to another. And they tried to rule this out with some other pseudoscience stuff. I don't want to get into all of it because they listed a few more. But what they didn't do is categorically rule out that it wasn't a fake by using the evidence available, doing something like proving what time it was from. They just tried to keep getting people to throw mud on it, and even then, they didn't do it effectively. Sure, it couldn't have been some of these very tiny categories of things, but one thing they didn't rule out was just taking a corpse, crucifying it, wrapping it in a in a <laughs> shroud, and stuffing that shroud in a basement for a couple of years to give it some uh, aged appearance.
0: Yeah, if everything about the shroud allegedly is accurate, except the person that was put there and when they were put there... That's those are two really important details for everyone who believes the Shroud is genuine.
1: Yeah. And for people making those claims about needing high energy and stuff, that's ridiculous. The big problem with why the Shroud is faded is it's super old. Yeah. That's it. Shit fades. Yeah. Yeah. Shit fades. And to, to go further down this buying credibility rabbit hole, they tried to cross-reference it with a bunch of uh, art from earlier. Like, they had some Byzantine art from, like, the seven or 800s. And they're like, look, look, you can see how, in this, Jesus had folded hands a certain way, and you can see the the shape of the of the shroud, you can see how they laid out the corpse in the shroud while ignoring that this was culturally common things to do for a corpse that had been crucified or for uh, just a Jewish corpse in general. Uh, they ignored that if this painting was around before the shroud, the painting might have been used as a reference to create a fake shroud. Everyone was saying that this shroud must have been made before the painting, because otherwise how could the painter have painted it?
0: <sighs> yeah, that,
1: uh, So They found yeah. a lot... <sighs> Yeah, they found a lot of coincidences, but they never established cause and effect. They could have just had that flipped around entirely. And they didn't bother to mention that or point out the possible inconsistencies there because they were trying to buy credibility, not seek truth. If you seek truth, you need to be comfortable with occasional and intermittent doubt because that happens sometimes.
0: Yeah, sometimes things are difficult to get at.
1: They also clipped some scientists out of context, but not in the really crappy american way where we'll clip a scientist out of context where he says you know where if the scientist has a you know full five minute long spiel we might just clip the part where he says yeah the shroud of turin might be real and that would be what the americans put in their documentaries now we got a whole two or three sentences from this scientist where he said uh i'm I'm siding with the preponderance of the evidence that right now the shroud does not appear to be real. There is carbon dating. But I could have my mind changed if there is sufficient evidence. I I don't feel I'm always going to believe the shroud is real. And he went on to say how he was open-minded to change. Trying to imply in that ever so subtle British way that I see the BBC do a lot that things might be changing this way. Trying to buy more credibility claiming that and it just doesn't comport with the evidence. I don't know. Is Mm -hmm. that too much? No, that's fine. No, okay. right. And finally, the last thing they did was when they did try to claim to run a test, they didn't run a test. They made a big dramatic showing of... They even asked, you, are you willing to test your shroud and see if it if it works in the environment it was designed for? And they went and put a corpse in a cave. I mean, it was a styrofoam corpse. We all knew that, but they just put it in the, in the cave and they acted like this was some big test.
0: What is that supposed to prove?
1: Fucking nothing. It was supposed to get you to, to think that they're proving a thing and then fill up five form, five more minutes of the documentary.
0: Oh, okay then. It was
1: just nonsense. It literally was nothing. It just angered me, so I just wanted to just yell at them for this.
0: Yeah. Blah. They proved what would happen if you put a styrofoam body wrapped in linen in a cave.
1: So to wrap up that chunk of what I just went over there's sort of two two categories of this bs there's the totally unsubstantiated nonsense which is what most people in my experience put forward in day-to-day conversations about the shroud and then there's the pseudoscience with the air of legitimacy these people look like they were trying to do work they had tools they had apparatus it looked like they cared but if you dig into any of their claims even the littlest bit they fall apart yep yeah <sighs> okay what do you got something about the history mm-hmm.
0: Is it true that Jesus was all about gold and wealth? Of course not. Haven't you ever seen important documentaries like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? No,
1: I'm just trying to write a joke to tie Clock and Chain's New Gold Jewelry for Autism Acceptance Month into this
0: episode. Don't they make custom chainmail?
1: Yeah, and this month they have some new gold pieces to inspire awe and celebrate neurodiversity and autism acceptance.
0: Where do I find this? Asking for a
1: friend. ClockandChain.Squarespace.com. And use code evidence for free shipping in the U.S. Even to a friend. The history of the
0: Shroud. The history of the Shroud. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of nitty gritty about the history of the Shroud because I don't have time for that, to be honest. But just a brief rundown. So we don't know what was going on with the Shroud prior to the 13th century. We just don't. We know it has a written record that begins in 1390 AD with the bishop that we mentioned earlier. So literally the first piece of
1: documentation we have on it is that it's fake. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> The very first thing that acknowledges its existence claims it's fake.
1: Tell me you're religious without saying you're religious.
0: Anyway, so I'm probably going to butcher this name, but it was originally in possession of Geoffroy de Charney in Lyrae, France. I probably fucked those up. What year? Uh, 1390 AD. Oh. He's probably
1: dead. Even if he isn't, he probably isn't listening to the podcast. You're fine.
0: Um, I would still like to get pronunciations correct, but whatever. I, I'm just not. You're right. I shouldn't apologize specifically to that person. But I mean, there's probably somebody out there with that name that's like, hey, you fucked up. And that's valid. Okay. Anyway. So after that, uh, some time went by, as time tends to. <laughs> Margaret de Charney deeded the Shroud to the House of Savoy in 1453. The House of Savoy held it and eventually took the shroud to the Turin Cathedral in 1578, and that is where it currently is. The House of Savoy retained ownership despite passing it along to the Turin Cathedral until 1983- Then it was given to the Holy See, which, as I understand, and I could be wrong about this, is pretty much a synonym for the Vatican.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's like, there's a subtle distinction, but it's like a corporation or some nonsense that represents the Vatican. But yeah, it's something like that. Yeah.
0: So that's kind of the, I guess, the geographic history of the Shroud of Turin. There's been a couple incidents where it was damaged in fires. There was even one point in time, I believe, where mercury was accidentally dropped on it. Well, like you do. Yeah, shit happens. Uh, but yet, yeah, those are things like that have also happened in the, the Shroud's history. But the Shroud's history is not too much more than passing the ownership, moving around geographically, and the occasional damage it suffered from mishaps.
1: Okay, so if largely... So largely it's been in private collections or been just held by the Vatican and not much analysis or discovery has gone into it. I presume this changed recently with more scientific techniques and better options?
0: Uh, A bit, yeah. So I don't know exactly what prompted the Vatican to... Want to publicly do tests the way they did initially. But if I was to speculate, it would probably just be because of all the scientific methods that were being developed at the time. They probably figured, hey, yeah, we can verify its authenticity. So go for it. The very first direct study, and I say direct because it involves direct contact and sampling of the shroud itself. There have been other scientific analysis even before this but those were people taking photographs of the shroud of turin and then scientists analyzing the photograph not hands-on analysis of the item itself so the first direct study of the shroud was conducted in 1978 by a large team of scientists who study the authenticity of the shroud
1: wait wait so this thing's been around for like 700 years sorry it's 1978 that's 13 that's 600 years before an analysis
0: uh, from scientists that has been published if there probably have been other people that have examined the shroud, but it's if that has happened, it's not documented.
1: Okay. That's just it's a lot you can do to tamper with an object in 600 years, but okay. Yes,
0: yeah. absolutely. So anyway, yeah, the, the group of scientists that were. Formed for the study was the Shroud of Turin research project. STRUP. STRUP.
1: Yep. Like it when your acronyms are pronounceable? Yeah, it's okay. nice. Yeah.
0: Then there's XKCD being deliberately antagonistic in that regard. XKD. I got it. No, you did. No, just stop. X-c-d- just stop. XKD. Stop. Okay. Anyway. Uh. I can dive into Strupp's conclusions. Strupp, like I said, it had a large team of scientists, uh, 33, uh, 33 people on the main research team for Strupp. And they also had support staff, consultants. So it wasn't just those 33, but just 33 main people. And they did post their conclusions from all the studying that they did on the Shroud. And they concluded that the markings on the Shroud are not painted on, and the Shroud did come in contact with a human body. They say that the stains tested positive for being composed of hemoglobin and test positive for serum al- albumin? Al- albumin? Albumin. Al- albumin? Albumin. Albumin.
1: Okay, yeah. Yep. It's a component of blood, right? Yep. There it is. Al- albumin. Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah.
0: Otherwise, testing of the shroud was inconclusive. They-, they couldn't really make heads or tails out of pretty much any other claim or information that they readily had.
1: The The BBC documentary claimed that the blood tested as the incredibly rare blood type A-B I googled it four percent of the population has blood type ab that's one in 20 people it's like yep yeah millions of us yeah
0: so yeah yeah that's pretty much their conclusions and they specifically cite some limitations on science and the the sample that they received as potential problems for getting at conclusions and they were like yeah perhaps at some point in the future further studies will be able to conclude the matter on the shroud of turin after strupp had finished its analysis and published its findings. There was follow up to trying to analyze the shroud. I'm trying to figure out how I want to phrase all of this. You're fine. Yeah, yeah. So the idea behind radiocarbon dating, even when Strupp was doing this, it was something that was known and it was discussed. But it was something that they couldn't really do because the radiocarping techniques that they had access to at the time required very large swaths of the Shroud of Turin to be extracted in order to perform the test itself. We're pretty much destroying the Shroud of Turin in the that process. That
1: makes sense. You don't want to destroy something in the name of scientific inquiry when it's you know unique and presumably valuable
0: from a cultural perspective. Okay, so
1: yeah. so they waited until yeah. and tech then, got better.
0: Yeah, exactly. They, there was new tech that was developed. Uh, accelerator mass spectro- accelerator mass spectrometry and gas counters were two techniques that were developed, and you can do radiocarbon dating using this, these techniques with a much, much smaller sample. So the Vatican was like, okay, okay. So now that you've gone from completely destroyed the Shroud of Turin to just a small piece of it, we're, we're okay with you doing radiocarbon dating testing on this. A bunch of labs submitted to be able to be the ones to perform the radiocarbon dating, and only three labs were chosen. Uh, all of them were Accelerator Mass Spectrometry labs that was at the University of Oxford, University of Arizona, and the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology. Okay, that sounds pretty good so far. Yep. A small strip, about 10 millimeters by 70 millimeters, was removed from a corner of the Shroud of Turin, the same corner uh, that a small sample was removed for the Strup group. So for non-metric folk, that's uh, two-fifths of an inch by about three inches. Yeah, really small samples. And That strip was then cut into three pieces, and a piece was given to each of the three laboratories. Seems reasonable. Okay. Yep. Each of these labs did use a control. There were other historic linens that we had already established the age of that were used as controls. And each of these labs had access to these these three linens for comparative analysis. They came to some slightly different results. They did note that it's a little bit weird that the variation for the Shroud of Turin was a bit more than they expected. But the consensus between all three labs was that they have a 95% confidence level. The Shroud is dated somewhere between 1260 and 1390 AD. So immediately before...
1: Our first documentation for it. Exactly. Yes. Huh, interesting. It's almost like someone built it to impress a girl, failed <laughs> to impress a girl, threw it in his basement, pulled it out to impress a preacher, and got called on his
0: bullshit. Yeah. That is entirely <laughs> plausible. <laughs> if we're to integrate the, the Strup conclusions, then yeah, they probably actually wrapped a human, uh, but- And we're like, oh, yeah, that's totally Jesus. Yeah. I'm totally
1: imagining two frat bros doing this with, like, fake facial hair glued on them because they're they're too young to to grow beards or whatever. And they're, like, poking each other with knives. Like, hey, dude, I know I need to bleed on the thing, but come on, go easy. No, we have to make sure you look crucified. and Like, stabbing each other and just... (laughs) Some sources for this before we go too much further and dive into the next piece of controversy. Shroud.com, you've got some sources for mm-hmm. what the, the Strupp conclusions. We've got some meta-analysis on the, the three radiocarbon dating techniques. Uh, we have a paper on escholarship.org. I've got rochester.edu for uh, what albumin is, and I've got the Red Cross for blood types. And Wikipedia does have tons of sources on this. And they give ISBN numbers for a ton of things so you can verify and vet for yourself. And uh, there's the radiocarbon dating and the Shroud of Turin page. Check both of those out. We'll have links to them. And in this next section, we've got more, shroud.com, encyclopedia.com, researchgate for some papers, and earlychurchhistory.org. You're going to have to explain that one to me. Okay. You're like, we can go buy a digital Omni Messiah. No, we have one at home. The Digital Omni Messiah at home. I don't know. Okay. Mako's computer.
0: I wanted to try to get information on the claims, which I guess this probably should have been in with the claims. Whatever. I want to at least attempt to represent the people that are trying to say that, oh, yeah, no, the the Shroud of Turin is totally legitimate. Because when you understand what they're saying... You can more readily and reliably shoot it down if it's wrong. But if you don't understand it, then it's just pointless crosstalk and noise. Anyway. I'm of the opinion that anything about the Shroud is
1: pointless crosstalk and noise at this point. I could have been convinced, but so far everyone being pro-Shroud has been pro-ridiculousness. Yeah. I've seen no credibility from the, the Shroud crowd yet.
0: Yeah, there's... Specifically regarding the claims that it was used to wrap the body of Jesus Christ, there's... There's pretty much nothing to prove that. I now mean,
1: we don't even have good circumstantial evidence yet. You're so, going to talk about? Oh, sorry. Kind of.
0: Okay. Some minor nuance here. Minor. Anyway, so I have a source from somebody that is saying that the shroud is not only dated to ancient times, but is geographically linked to the area surrounding Jerusalem, which is a bold claim. So I'm like trying to dig into. Okay, why do you say that? On the Strup team, there was a consultant, uh, Max Frey. He was a criminologist? Oh, what was his nationality? Swiss. He was a Swiss criminologist.
1: I think they do the second vowel pronunciation thing. That might be a Max Fry. Could be. Okay. Max Fry. Maybe. I, I don't know.
0: I don't know either. That's how Germans
1: do it and those countries are kind of close.
0: I'm bad at pronunciations. I, I make no claims otherwise.
1: Turns out Maker was right. Check the source. It's pronounced free.
0: I'm bad at pronunciation too, but I'm confident. That's not good qualities to mix. Moving on. <laughs> so Max Fry, he used tape to try to extract samples of just particulates that were on the Shroud of Turin. He was given direct access to the Shroud itself.
1: That doesn't sound terrible so far.
0: Okay. He found pollen on the Shroud of Turin. Awesome. Yeah, that's pretty good. He painstakingly tried to identify each of the bits of pollen. And there were quite a few different pollens on the shroud, like a lot of them, but there were about five or six, I think, that were in particularly high concentrations. Two of them, the only place where, uh, this is allegedly, like for two of them, the only place where they overlap is in the Jerusalem area, and that is the basis for claiming that it has been geographically tied to the Jerusalem area.
1: Okay, superficially that makes sense, Mm -hmm. but we would want to compare that to other historical pieces of cloth and see if that hypothesis holds up. Because pollen can travel for hundreds of miles. Maybe these ancient cloths all went through Jerusalem for some reason because of ancient logistics. You know, reasons, reasons, reasons,
0: right? Uh, Something that has been brought up by other people is that maybe some of these plants could have been used by like as incense and
1: and if you sell incense a hundred miles away yeah, yeah the, the, these you can things, have travel yeah they're far away but they're not ridiculously far away mm-hmm. if, if you look at where Turin is on the map you know if you if you imagine the Mediterranean you, you have the boot that is Italy up at the top of the boot on the left side on the west side that's where Turin is and if you want to go to where Jerusalem is you go into the Mediterranean and you go east until you can't go any further east and it's around there so I mean we're talking some miles overland some kilometers overland land. And a boat trip across the Mediterranean, right? People have been doing that for literally thousands of years, so that's not unreasonable that you could move incense from one place to the other.
0: Okay, yeah. There's also some speculation. I didn't really go too deep into it because none of it was substantiated, from near as I could tell. But there's a bunch of speculation as to the the history of the shroud itself and where it's moved throughout the world prior to 1390 A.D. Oh, so it could
1: have been it could have been picking up pollen from all over. It, maybe. Okay. Okay.
0: Maybe, like I said, but that's not really substantiated, so I didn't go too deep into it. Anyway, so Fry identified these species, but when his findings were published and then peer reviewed by other people, it was kind of dubious. Palynologists? Palynologists? yeah, is that
1: somebody who studies Sarah pollen. Palin professionally? Pollen, pollen. Okay, so we have professional
0: pollenistas. Yes, <laughs> okay. there's a specific kind of scientist that studies pollen and all the things surrounding pollen. Yeah, I'm and looking that's at amazing.
1: that. Amazing. P
0: a l y n ologists. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Great. So these people they cast doubt on the identifications that Fry made during his analysis. They're like, I don't. There, there's not enough here. You can't really say with confidence is that it is this thing and for some of thumbs, they're like no it's it's this other thing so his ability to identify the species for the pollen is in question from people where that's like literally their only job <laughs> so this guy's the Zechariah
1: sitchin of the pollen world
0: well maybe <laughs> okay. zachariah sitchin was near as we can tell he was malicious and out to make money Fry, we don't know if he was trying to make money. He could have just been normal and competent.
1: Normal and competent. That's surprisingly common as an explanation for these kinds of problems.
0: Yeah. So experts don't agree with Fry on these identifications. And so that kind of throws all of these interpretations into question. If we were to accept... Fry's findings as fact then he's got a good case it's not proof but it's strong evidence yeah yeah there's
1: reason to believe and it would merit further study
0: absolutely but that's not the case did he have control fabrics no well controls for the like the fabric and the pollen no he didn't have any of that nor did he properly use methodology to prevent contamination
1: oh that's a killer if you don't know that you prevented cross-contamination and what yeah that that's terrible so we just so we would have to duplicate his work, go to the Shroud with some more tape and verify our tape is, is sterile of, and free yep. of pollen. We would have to
0: redo all the work yeah. to verify it.
1: Gross. Yep. That's, that's terrible that he approached it this way. That's not good. Okay.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately. So there's some problems with that interpretation and why that doesn't work. But also, also, later in his life, after doing his work on the Shroud of Turin... Uh, I didn't even know, I don't remember at least, that like the Hitler diaries were a thing. What are the Hitler diaries? I didn't go too deep into this because that seems like a whole another rabbit hole. But allegedly there were some diaries surfaced that allegedly were written by Hitler himself.
1: Really? Yes. Okay. So Fry... Okay. Were they, like, spicy? Like, do we hear about uh, Hitler's love
0: life? I don't fucking know. I, okay. didn't, I didn't go that far into it. Okay, I don't know. Okay, Presumably. I don't know. Sure. Maybe he had a Jewish love. I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but Fry did his own analysis on the Hitler diaries at the time and said that they were absolutely authentic. And then very shortly after, it was proven that they were fake.
1: So this guy's not good when it comes to methodology or just yeah. accuracy in general.
0: Well, we have... This definitive thing, and then we have what we're looking at for the Shroud to base it off of. I'm not going to say a sample size of two is great, (laughs) but there wasn't much that I was able to find on Fry other than these two examples, unfortunately. This is pretty terrible for him. Yeah, it looks bad. It looks really bad. When actual experts disagree with your findings and you're demonstrably wrong about something else high profile, that's bad. (sighs) Okay, and this...
1: So, so, so far we have uh, ranging between no evidence and bad evidence. Because this, this is evidence of a sort. It's just not good evidence. Yeah. Um. Is there any other evidence for the shroud?
0: Not that I was really able to glean. Like all of the actual, because like people, again, they've been looking at photographs and trying to do photographic analysis. Photographic yeah. analysis is only going to get you so far. As far as people taking physical portions of the shroud and doing aggressive analysis on those portions it's only happened twice the the strut team and the uh three laboratories that did radiocarbon dating so
1: it's all completely a loss the 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 strut team came back and just said
0: inconclusive aside from they're confident that the stains were not painted and that it did encase a human body
1: it's probably blood okay
0: and then the the three laboratories doing the radiocarbon dating said with very high confidence it is from medieval times that's terrible these two are not mutually exclusive as we've been we joked like twice now we could have had a case where some dude just took a body wrapped it in some linen let it age and put it on display in the medieval times
1: i'm imagining some ancient incel on I'm trying to imagine 4chan from the 1300s. That would be great. 4chan memes from back then. Uh, uh,
0: maybe. He's like
1: faking a, faking the shroud of Jesus for the church, the lull. So if we were the bishop.
0: to take all of the findings from these laboratories uh, as fact and make the simplest possible explanation, that is the simplest possible explanation.
1: Yeah. We have no evidence of magic. We have no n- nothing except possibly Paul and tying it back to israel we don't have any claims we don't have any explanation for how it moved right nobody's saying it came by a boat or it came over land nobody's saying they bought it from somebody from the region we've got nothing it it appeared one day in a place quite far but plausibly close it could have been moved right yeah it's not like this showed up in japan or oklahoma or something (laughs) right if it showed up in one of those places it would obviously be fake yeah but it was close enough that the story was there it was culturally relevant but nobody no no ties no evidence no documents
0: just the one bishop saying this shit's a fake
1: now one thing that people did try to talk a lot about was blood spatter analysis Mm -hmm. Uh, i dropped all those sources because even modern blood spatter analysis ranges from a few experts get it right to this is clearly bullshit that's just used to to convict black people yeah yeah so i mean modern blood spatter is is not great even the harder modern forensic science like Fingerprints and uh, ballistic gun identification, they aren't great. Where you try to match patterns on the bullet to patterns on the inside of the gun, or you try to lift fingerprints off things.
0: They... The one time I heard a good application of blood spotter analysis was people were trying to argue like aggravated assault. Uh, like undue force in a case where somebody had bludgeoned another person to death with a baseball bat and they were like yeah we have a high degree of confidence that this person swung the baseball bat at the other person's head about 18 times I'm like well how do you get that well across the ceiling we see 18 distinct streaks of blood
1: <laughs> <laughs> holy shit there's blood blo- there's blo- blood spatter analysis then there's counting violence like holy shit <laughs> So that's the one time
0: I've heard blood splatter analysis being like, okay.
1: I'm not saying we disregard it as evidence, or we disregard everything in this vein as evidence. It's just, there's a lot of people who try to do things like claim to know heights or handedness or or lots of things that really are hard to get at because there's too many variables. Yeah. Right. So I'm sure it can be used to narrow down some things. Like if you have X blood streaks, you have X events or more that caused blood streaks. That's a great use of it. Makes mm-hmm. perfect sense. God, I'm thinking straight right back to Dexter, uh, the HBO TV show, was yeah. it HBO? Uh-huh. About a serial killer who was a forensic blood spatter analysis. And he comes up with all these ridiculous reports like, yeah, this person was probably angry and psychologically motivated to do this because that's the only time you do an overhand swing it's like it's blood on a wall you're
0: not what if somebody was just taught how to swing wrong on purpose as a joke (laughs) (laughs) how do you rule that out what
1: if if they're just clumsy what if they're injured what if what if what if what if right what if they're wearing really big high heels it would make them seem taller
0: Okay, I guess. I don't know. But yeah.
1: Just ridiculous stuff, right? So it's it's like forensic science is not what it's made out to be. We we trust a lot of the, the stuff in a courtroom a lot more than we probably should because people in a courtroom confidently say the stuff in front of a judge. And that's what sways judges. Juries. I'm so sad now. Mm-hmm. We could probably prove the Shroud of Turin is real in a court of law by getting enough experts to say stuff. And we could probably disprove it too. Okay. And this do we need an end on something light? Nothing no. here's that, that heavy. Not particularly heavy.
0: Yeah. I mean, it does. I mean, we are talking about the death of somebody? I disagree. I don't think he was real. Well, I'm just <laughs> saying somebody. I'm not asserting Jesus. Like like I said, the simplest explanation is they did put a body in the shroud. It just definitely wasn't Jesus. I
1: don't think you have to kill the person for that. I think you get a volunteer and you poke him a couple times, make him bleed a little bit, and then, you know, you you give him 50 bucks and send him on his way. Maybe.
0: I don't know. I'm sure bodies were plentiful back then. That's
1: true and fucked up. <laughs> Yeah. So there's scant evidence for this. And if somebody after a big long to rate, if somebody comes along and tries to say that they have really good evidence because blood analysis, they're almost certainly full of shit. Yeah. I saw tons of blood analysis that was just on both sides saying it's totally real, it's totally fake. I oh. saw
0: one article that was trying to be like new scientific analysis proves it's date the carbon radiocarbon dating is false. And I'm like, okay, cool, that's exciting. Show me the evidence. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Okay, you got nothing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One thing that I saw just offhandedly in a Reddit discussion was somebody said, if the Shroud were real, the images would be the same height. I'm like, wait, what? Why isn't anyone talking about this? So right before the episode, I just copied the image from Wikipedia and copied and rotated and spun it around. Because Shroud of Turin, right, the way I described how the, the body would be placed in the cloth, right, there's the front and the back, and it would be wrapped around the head, right? Well, one side of the Shroud is like an extra foot longer than the other side. And that, I mean, that's a discrepancy. That might be explainable, right? Yeah, that seems weak, but it's something. Yeah, because I would expect that the shroud would conform to the body better on both sides. You wouldn't get all the stretching on one side. One side's the guy's seven feet tall. The other side, he's six feet tall, which is still enormous given somebody back in the day.
0: Yeah, malnutrition was so common. People were statistically shorter.
1: Yeah, and also the Shroud of Turin's face, it's a white guy. It's obviously a French or Italian or European guy. That's just it's, it's not what you'd expect when you see someone like we were talking about earlier in the episode. Jesus would have been Jewish or Palestinian or Arabic or not what you got with this high cheekboned white guy look. Yeah, I mean, it's just you. if, if you look at the shroud, your first thought should be skepticism because it doesn't look like what Jesus ought to look like.
0: Unless you're one of those people that, as a prank, has a picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi in their living room and was told it's Jesus and you're none the wiser.
1: I'll link to that. (laughs) Poor grandma. Been praying to Obi-Wan Kenobi the past 15 years. Doesn't know. Okay, that's it, though. We've been blathering on with a bunch of nothing for a while now. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening.
0: So how we talked about the... uh... The Desevidentia Laser Gyroscope, $30,000. Yeah. We could be like the Holy Desevidentia Laser Gyroscope, $35,000.
1: $5,000 for Holy? Yeah, why not? Okay.
0: We can define how Holy is with our own products.
1: (laughs) It's our products. That's our privilege, goddammit. I feel like Billy Graham or the Pope will have something to say about this. Some other mega preacher. They'll want their cut. Then they'll endorse it too.
0: We'll make our own church with blackjack and hookers. Is that a Simpsons reference? Futurama. <laughs> okay. And also a little bit of a history thing.
1: Thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. Our supporters at the evidence investigator level or higher include
0: Jared, DuckTape, Keldar, Stephen Larrabee, and Kaiju Helena. Thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. Our supporters at the evidence investigator level or higher include Jared, DuckTape, Keldar, Stephen Larrabee, and Kaiju Helena. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. If you aren't sure where to do that, read the show notes, transcripts, and listen
1: online at disevidentia.com. Support us financially at patreon.com slash disevidentia. We have a subreddit, r slash disevidentia. Tweeted us at disevidentia. Chat with us on our Discord server or watch our videos on YouTube, links in the show notes, and email us at contact disevidentia.com.
0: Copyright 2022, Blacktop Studios, Inc. Intro music was slow by PIDX, used with permission.